Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they have been since 1972. Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, rubber even, custom hoses, and specifically this time of year, they are your one-stop shop for anything and everything. Snow plows with snow plow blades that can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. They custom make it all. You can purchase products for yourself and of course buy bulk at a fantastic rate. And just like us here at DNVR, they are locally owned. So be sure to give them a call for snow plow needs or anything else made out of rubber and you can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and cole gets another good righty and another right by cole a left by cole this time tipped in front by mika rentinen he shoots and scars nathan mckinnon Cole J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer for you to try, as well as wines and liquors from around the world. Be sure to download their app today to get incredible deals and sign up for their loyalty program. Plus, you can even get the booze delivered if that's what you like they have two locations one in centennial and one in highlands ranch so you can head on down to either of those if you want to get in store to pick up they even have tastings on fridays and saturdays if you want to figure out what type of beer you are looking for i'm nathan rudolph he's aj hayfley we are here on a thursday as the avs gear up to play tonight Because Alex Ovechkin is chasing history a little bit with goal number 700 coming, all of Denver gets to watch this one as it is going to be on NBCSN, so you will actually be able to tune in on TV tonight. That's always fun. AJ, how are you doing? Are you excited to see Ovi get 700? I am. Uh, I wrote in one of my takeaway pieces from a couple games ago that uh, it was setting up nicely so that we would get to see 700 tonight. It would be cool. I mean, just from a, you know, from a selfish standpoint, it would be, it would be fun to see, you know, definitely not not every day you get to see something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, not, not sitting here like rooting for the abs to lose or anything, but um, this chase has been going on for a little while now. He's been sitting on 798 for a couple games. So, you know, he doesn't go too long in between goals. So it's, uh, 
we'll we'll see. I think it's going to be a fun night. It's going to be an electric night. Obviously, uh, Avs fans care a lot more about seeing how the Avs match up against the Caps. Uh, Caps fans care a lot about Ovi getting 700. So I think it's going to be a fun night, man. Yeah, I mean, we can kind of get into this conversation, right? The first times the Avs played the Caps, it kind of quickly turned into a blowout. The Caps did fight back, but ultimately the Avs coasted to a victory for the most part. So this is a return of this matchup, and it's it's a much different time of year than it was early in the season. The Capitals have established themselves as a juggernaut a bit in the East. There are three teams, really, that are going off in the East, but the Avs have now established themselves as a top team in the West as well. So a little adverse to call anything a, a likely Stanley Cup Finals matchup, but this one is pretty high on the list of possible chances, I would say. Yeah, um, going to be interesting. I, I feel pretty good that they're not going to score three goals on their first three shots again. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, Braden Holpe is in net tonight, and uh, Kuznetsov is out um, as he remains day-to-day. What I think is interesting is that the Caps are very mediocre at home. Uh, they are uh, they've they're sixteen nine and four at home, which is just okay. But they're twenty six and one on the road. That's pretty absurd. Only team in the league with twenty wins on the road. So yeah, and uh, I think there's only one team within a couple wins of them, and that's Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, two teams. Tampa Bay's got 19 uh, road wins and Colorado has 18. So, yeah. Pretty, uh, they're, they're pretty good uh, away from their own barn. So we'll see. You know, but they've lost a couple games in a row. Um, they're, they are an exceptional team. Um, certainly one of the best that the league has to offer. And sitting right now, if, if the playoffs were to begin, they would easily be one of the cup favorites. Yeah, hard to argue against that. The Avs do have the benefit of being on a five-game winning streak. They are 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10 as well, so maybe coming in a little bit on the hotter side than Washington. Uh, kind of maybe balancing the scales a little bit with Kuznetsov out as the Avs obviously will not have Kadri as well. Mm-hmm. Where... Are the Avs, where's the Avs firepower going to come from in this game? Can they out-depth Washington, or is this a uh, McKinnon special? Uh, I, You know, I think what makes the Avs so difficult this year is that they can out-depth teams. Yeah. Uh, and obviously losing Kadri, that, that one really hurts because the guys replacing him, you know, uh, Comfer stepping up into that role especially, very inconsistent this year. Right. And because of that, you do, I, I can't sit here with any like confidence and say that the Avs depth is going to win out tonight. But I I will say that I think it's it's going to be competitive. I think this will be a good game. I I would be very surprised if it was it was a blowout either way. Um Colorado has struggled at home um this this year. I want to see what game two looks like game game one back from the long road trip very much looked like 
the kind of sloppy, disjointed game that a tired team plays uh, when they just got back from a long road trip and haven't had very much time off. Uh, that's why they, they took practice off yesterday and just said, hey, we're just going to rest. We want to yep. be geared up for this game properly. And that's where they are. And I, I think that this is... Um, I I want to see McKinnon and Ranton and and I'm really McKinnon especially show out in this one. He you know six games back now he's got I think six points. Do you have a, I think he finished with two assists that sounds the other right. day. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, because the uh the the empty net goal got him that second assist. Yeah, that's um, right. He had 72 at the break, and he's at 78 now. So, And which, by the way, what a great defensive play that he made to to start that empty net goal. Nice job yeah. by him. Yep, McKinnon's pretty good on that side all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's definitely getting better, which is really, really encouraging. Because once he starts to set his sights on things to get better at, it's just like he just eventually dominates. Anyway, um, if he could only care about faceoffs now, right? <laughs> um, he the he really hasn't had one of those dominant games at all in any of those six games coming back. Like he just really has not taken over and just been that super special player that we're so accustomed to seeing. So I'm I keep waiting. I just I talk about it feels like I talk about it before every game because I'm just waiting for it to happen, like knowing it's coming at some point. It always does with him. Yeah, he he's had a couple of two-point nights, uh, but his last three-point-plus night was all the way back at the start of January against St. Louis. So he's been extremely consistent, but we all know that he has that ability to just completely tear a game wide open that yeah. we haven't quite seen. And on national the the national TV, man, uh, if if this is something that you really legitimately care about, this is important for Kale McCarr. Yeah, you got You got to put up big performances in front of national TV. Uh, he's he's losing right now. Uh, he's his grip on the Calder is slipping, and it's slipping quickly. So he needs he needs a good three point night dominant effort to kind of reboost his profile in that race. You know it's. It's secondary, obviously, like you care about winning the games and that the abs keep doing their thing. But, you know, you it's cool to win awards, see your guys win awards. So uh, I think I think McCarr needs to I think he needs to show out. Yeah, it's a bit unfortunate that what you look like at the national level does have such a big effect on those type of awards, I think. But. <laughs> Nonetheless, that's the reality. So McCark needs to find a way to get a little involved in this one, hopefully. And uh, hey, making yourself some comparisons with John Carlson this year wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be too bad of a thing. So those two going probably not head to head, but we'll be on the same ice together in this game. Looking through the rest of this lineup, I guess. I'll be interesting to see what Grubauer looks like in this game. He's played very, very well other than the Philadelphia game after the break, but mm -hmm. he hasn't had to really face an Ovechkin yet. He hasn't had to face this high powered of an offense. So he's going to be put to the test a little bit here. Uh, Yeah. 
I mean, best offense that he's faced was Philly. <laughs> yep. So I I think, you know, Grubauer's actually played pretty well. I would agree. Um, I mean, obviously the last week he's been exceptional, but even if you go back a little bit before then, you know, the the shutout that he had against San Jose, I think really kind of pushed back on track. Yeah. Pushed him in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, obviously, it's, it's building towards this week and this last week that's happened. Yeah. Where he's been very good. Um, he's got to rise it up uh, to this challenge. Like, them them giving up. They, they played three games against uh, Buffalo and Ottawa, and, you know, they gave up two goals. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, you've got to lock it down. The team has to be very disciplined. They can't give away uh, free opportunities on the power play to this team just because you know what Ovechkin's going to do. Yep. Just for a little bit of a comparison here, Washington, actually their power play has not been exceptional this year. They're only sitting at about 20.3%, only it, one percentage point better than the Avs. As far as I know, it's it's not normally like dominant but it's just that you just set up ov and just yeah. roll and it's like okay <laughs> this is just how it's gonna be like we dare you to try and stop the one of the all-time greats from doing what he does give him enough chances one of these will go in <laughs> yeah exactly so um they they've they've got a challenge in front of them tonight man they they really do uh they've gotta they've gotta outplay them um they've they need Grubauer to be their best PKer. They this, the the PK just has to stop hemorrhaging goals. Yeah, and um, it has looked a bit better of late. You know, granted, playing teams like Ottawa, you expect it to look better, mm-hmm. but maybe that's something a little bit of confidence to build off for them. We did see them try and mess around with Tyson Jost on the PK, but we can get into that into the second period as we got to wrap this first period up here. And of course, it's time to let you guys know about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. Not drinking one right now, which is which is a little unusual for me, but I will be drinking one tomorrow evening when you guys come hang out with AJ and I over at Blake Street Tavern. But if you're looking for some for yourself, be sure to go to their website. They have their Breck beer locator on there where you can find whatever type of Breck beer you're looking for, where to go out and purchase it, whether it be the Strawberry Sky, the Colorado Avalanche Amber Ale, or any of their other beers, the Agave Wheat. Sure, why not? It's a can I have sitting in front of me here. So check that out and go try some new Breck beers for yourself. And also make sure to check out the Breckenridge Brewery event calendar over on thednbr.com as we have all of our events planned there. We have an abs watch party planned for the 22nd, so that should be a fun time. Be sure to RSVP to that and come out and have a good time. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. We have this conversation Seemingly every week, sometimes more than that, but there have been some changes to the Avs special teams. Tyson Jost getting in on the PK the other night against Ottawa, the Avs changing things up. Is this going to be an improvement? Is this kind of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks here? AJ, what's your take on it? 
Uh, I like the idea of seeing if Jost can contribute to that unit. I mean, the unit hasn't been very good. Um, specifically, JT Comfer has not been very good on it. And uh, if he's going to be your second line center, he's going to kind of do like pull him off that unit. He's been he's easily been one of the weakest uh, aspects of that unit. Don't don't mess with it anymore. Just let it be. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. By most metrics, Comfer is the Avs' weakest penalty killer that gets regular time. So so moving him off of it is one that makes sense. Tyson Jost on it. I, it's a bit curious. Obviously, as he seems to be settling into what is a bottom six role, mm-hmm. the Avs would love for him to be able to do things like that. I'm just not exactly sure what to expect out of him. Yeah, I see what you have. Yeah. They you know, they've they've always in my opinion, they've always misused him on the power play. Um at least see what see if you can get a PKer out of him, you know, get get somebody that can help out uh on one of the special teams units cuz right now this is what this is one of the reasons that makes him uh such an odd like sort of misfit in uh, Colorado's bottom six right now is that he's he's the bottom six guy that doesn't do anything on special teams, and right. they, you can't really have that. Bottom sixes, the most effective bottom sixes are made up of units uh, of of players who are specialty guys who can contribute on on special teams who can help you out. You know, the, a lot of it is killing penalties or winning faceoffs. Um, occasionally you'll get a bottom six guy that can really help you on a PK or on a, on a power play, or one of them ends up being really weirdly, bizarrely good at a shootout or something. And right now, like Tyson Jost is like, just like this, this dude that they don't really know what to do with. And if they're able to get a, a PK guy out of him, like it, the, the PK hadn't been very good as it is. So it's, it's not like we're sitting here talking about a bunch of exceptional PK guys that are getting, uh, getting sat down in favor of Jost. We're talking about a unit hadn't been very good, uh, continues to not be very good. Yeah. Getting getting a little bit of a different look just to see if one player might be able to actually contribute and help, help it out. I don't see a downside here. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Just to kind of reiterate your point, the Avs bottom six, their forwards that are leading in PKTOI are Matt Nieto, was JT Confer, then Belmar and Calvert. And after that, you have the middle six guys, whatever you want to call them, Val Nachushkin and Jonas Donskoy, helping out as, as kind of the fifth and sixth guys in TOI, whereas Tyson Jost had not even touched it. So getting him more involved... Not only is it a way for him to fill into a bottom six role, it gets him some more ice time. This is a guy who has struggled to find ice time a lot, and especially as this year has gone on and gotten later into it. So I do think it's a good way to get him more involved in the game. You know, if it 100% crashes and burns over the la- the next 10 games, you're right where you were where you started. So it, it can't hurt, right? Yeah, it really, I mean, it really can't. Like, it's, what do you, what do you, you ask, you know, what do you, what do you really have to lose? And right now it's just not that much, man. Yep. I'm with you on that one. 
You've also seen the PK at times look a little bit better. You take away that Minnesota game where, where it did struggle a bit. Yeah. How much of that is Grubauer is, is the question. Obviously, goaltender is your best PK or blah, 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 blah. But has there been a bit of an uptrend in the way it's playing? I think so. I think that they've said they want to be more aggressive, and I think they've accomplished that for the most part. I think they have been uh, more aggressive, and that's all good and well, but you still can't have the big breakdowns, you know, the big the big cross-crease passes uh, getting, getting through and going onto the back door because the Minnesota game was concerning, but really outside of that, um, you know, I'm I'm not feeling very bad about a lot of what they've done on the PK uh, since then. I I feel like they have been solid. Like the the goal they gave up against Columbus, for example, like that's not a PK unit issue. Right. Like that's a that's Grubauer got beat on that shot, and that's about it. But I think they've been fine. I think that there have been improvements. Um. I'm cautiously optimistic that both units are slowly moving in a better direction. Yeah, we can jump into that power play side as well. Three power play goals in their last 11 tries. Definitely a significant uptick there. Uh, They even got the second unit involved against Ottawa with Nachushkin picking up a, a nice goal off a pass from Burakovsky. To me, the the power play units, when they're working, do seem a little bit more fluid. I think they are starting to move around a bit more. It comes and goes. We They got five chances in Ottawa. Two of them, including the one they scored on, looked pretty good. Three of them were very blah, where they struggled to get into the zone and were very stagnant. So yeah. maybe still fighting some consistency issues there, but they have power play goals in three of their last four games, and that's good enough. Well, when they are regularly winning the the even strength battle, them getting even just a power play goal. And like, there was so much frustration in the Ottawa game. Oh my gosh. You know, they, they finished that game one for five. That's right at 20%. Yep. And like, that's the number where we're all like, Oh, they need to be at 20%. Right. At one good, for five is good enough. They're at 19.4 on the season. So I think we could say that it it's, it's not good enough that the talent on here, it should be higher. It should be more like probably 24, 25%. I mean, it should, but I think the bigger problem there is consistency. If the Avs went one for five every night, I think there would be a lot less complaints. It's the 20 chances in a row that they go without scoring a single one, and then they'll have nights where they get two or three. So that's just kind of how it goes. It is to a certain extent, but you need some stabilizing factors there. And I think one of those particularly is Miko Rantanen. So him seemingly getting back on track with his game, I think has been a step in the right direction. Certainly for that top unit, the Avs love that seam pass. And for a large portion of this year, it either wasn't working or for whatever reason, when Miko would get it, he just would not shoot the puck. That's a big place I think the Avs can start to look a little better. Yeah, he's an X-Factor for that unit. Um, 
because it's been so McKinnon has to do something. McKinnon has to do something. And I think McKinnon's been frustrating on the power play too, because he'll get it. And he'll like when he just winds up and, and fires a one-timer, like cool. He doesn't, he doesn't score a lot of those. It's never really been his MO, but he's added it to his game more this year. Yeah. And that's great. But I think that he needs to, he needs to be less predictable because there are times where I'm sitting there where, where we're watching it and I'm, I can tell you what's about to happen when he gets that puck. Yeah. And skate like down the half wall, skate back up, give it back to Makar. Or or like when he stands there, you especially know when he doesn't do that, then and he freezes with the puck. You know he's trying to force it either to Ranton in on the far side or Landeskog on the back door right in like right in front of the net. Yep. And it ends up it ends up in a turnover. Far too often, yeah. Often enough that I know that that it ends up in a turnover. Right. So, definitely a little bit of lack of creativity, maybe. And it's, I mean, that's an issue that every power play goes through, but the Avs in particular have always seemed to be very stuck in their structure in that way. So... Yeah, they, uh... There's plenty of times where the Avs just don't yeah, they don't want to move it. They don't want to put the put the work into creating the kind of chances that they should be. And that's... because there are, there are a lot of times where this power play will fail, and you know naturally people are like, "Oh, you got to fire the coach," but you look at it. And it's like you can. T- I can tell you the coach isn't telling him to throw the puck away into that dude. Like right. he is, he's not telling you to turn it over right into that guy and just throw the puck at him. And they do stuff like that. You know, there there were one of their one of their power plays uh, against Ottawa. The first unit, it might have even been the one they ended up scoring on, but the first unit went out there and McCarr flubbed a pass and it got cleared. They re- they regained the entry. Miko flubbed a pass and it got cleared. And that was it. Like they were done. Well and yeah. And it's just like, look, dude, like this isn't this isn't the coach over there telling them to do it. Like these guys aren't executing. They need it, to be executing at a much higher level. They have way more talent. They whatever, whatever systems issues that people have, these guys need to be executing at a higher level. It's they really do. It's kind of funny. Even the the power play goal in that game comes off of a play where Joe gets a feed in the high slot and completely whiffs on the puck, and then a, a broken play is just a total scramble where the Avs outwork the Senators, are able to recollect the puck, and then Burakovsky finds Nachushkin open, cutting down the middle, and and finishes on a bit of a scramble, which the Avs all year long have been significantly more successful with speed in chaotic situations that half court offensive setup is just things kind of melt down at times. Yeah. <clears throat> when they can just play. Yep. They are dangerous and they are hard to handle because they are, they have so much skill. 
that they can do things creatively and and at a level that other teams just may not be able to. And instead, they're trying to play, you know, power plays and penalty kills are very rigid. And that's a frustration. And the Avs don't have an Alex Ovechkin as much as Nathan McKinnon tries to be at times. They, They don't have the magic ability to put the puck in the back of the net off of a play that everyone knows is coming very often. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and end the second period there as we seem to talk about the F's special teams every single week. But if their PK gets better, AJ, what would that be? Life changing. <laughs> AJ is desperate for a penalty kill improvement also potentially life-changing is Strava Craft Coffee as if you haven't tried it yet they now do offer it in K-Cups if you're a Keurig type of person of course they also still do have full bean and ground versions as well be sure to check it out as this CBD infused coffee has changed lives whether it be to help with migraines, indigestion IBS, Basically, you name it, anxiety as well. It has helped a ton of people. The CBD is not psychoactive, just to be clear on that. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, and get better on the PK. You know how it is. Be sure to check it out for yourself today. You can order it online and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. AJ, question for you. Who mm-hmm. is the best coach in the league? Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. I think many, many, many people would agree with you on that one. After leading the Capitals to a Stanley Cup, he's gone to the Islanders and basically turned them into a well-oiled machine playing a very specific style of hockey that turns out wins a lot of hockey games. How does he do this? How has he become the best coach in the league seemingly overnight? Well, I'd be remiss if I did not acknowledge he also has the best goaltender coach in his pocket. Yeah, Mitch Korn helps a little bit. (laughs) Mitch Korn follows him around from job to job. So, you know, it's and it's like, let's be real. It's hard to separate those. You know, there's a reason that we joke about the Jack Adams being a goaltending award. I mean, that's a totally true thing. So it it is what it is. Coaching and goaltending are going to be somewhat inseparable. (laughs) Yeah, which is uh, why why we saw Paul Maurice get get that extension in Winnipeg. You know? It, Connor Hellbuck yeah. is back to having a, a, a fantastic season and Jets management is like, dope. Doing a great job, coach. Yeah. We, that- we, we know that we've got a compromised team this year and that they're not as good. Uh, so you must be doing fabu out there. Doing something right because your goaltender has a 925 save percentage. Yeah. And, you know, but. Uh, coach getting his contract extended because uh, (laughs) because he's got a goaltender playing out of his mind is just one of those things where it's like yeah this happens all the time it it does but on the flip side 
we have seen our fair share of coaches get fired this year mid-season because of a lot of them whether it just be underperformance top to bottom or or struggling goaltending in some cases i mean the new jersey situation has just been absolutely <sighs> brutal so yeah well and and i mean you look at uh Pete DeBoer in san jose yeah with martin jones stuck back there it, yeah irreconcilable basically yeah and uh, the surprising part was that pete DeBoer was what uh, on the market for 10 minutes yeah like a week <laughs> and then vegas was like huh we could give that a try <laughs> yeah well and hasn't turned it around gerard Gallant, i think has been proven to not be the problem and if you look mark andre fleury is shocker shocker there it's really really hard to get through the NHL when you you are you get bad goaltending and like Flower just hadn't been good this year. It's just the fact at this point. I mean, poor performance in goal is one of the biggest effectors to a team's consistency. If they're consistently on top, they're going to win a lot. If they're consistently bad, most teams are going to lose a lot. Well, and this is so, part of what has made Washington such a such anomaly, a yeah. You know, drives home how good they are, is what I'll say. Because Braden Holtby's in a career year, or in a contract year. Yep. Has not been good this season. And they just keep humming along. It must be nice. It must be nice. Especially when they're led by a defenseman in point scoring as well. But Which is... You consider all the money that they have invested in their forward core and all the talent and, you know, certainly one Hall of Famer, maybe even two up front between Ovechkin and Backstrom. Yep. And the fact that John Carlson is doing what he's doing is actually just incredible. It, it really is. I mean, 52 assists, 67 points. It's unbelievable involvement on a on a team with all that talent. Uh, you mentioned Kuznets- Kuznetsov is hurt, but between him, Vrana, and Backstrom, you have a ton of guys surrounding Ovi picking up points here, and, and Carlson has inserted himself as a defenseman doing the same. This was this was the, the team that could not find more time to give to Andre Burakovsky. Yep. Going down the list, then you have TJ Oshie and Tom Wilson as well to to round out their top six, and you, that's an absurd top six. As you mentioned, one and a half Hall of Famers, a bunch of young talent as well, some some veteran experience in Oshie, some guys with grit like Tom Wilson. It's it's borderline an ideal top six. It's what the Avs have essentially tried to create and may continue trying to create through the deadline this year. And then you add John Carlson in and this is, it's, it's weird. The parallels just keep coming to me here of with Kale McCarr. This is what the abs might be a year or two from now, if not later on during the playoffs. Well, when you look at, you look at Sam Gerard as a guy that profiles very similarly to Dmitry Orlov. Yep. A strong puck mover, but not like an dominant offensive player, but a very good defender, despite not being huge. 
not going to score many goals, but will get actively involved in the offense. It's, it's not a bad pick for a team that you're trying to parallel. I'll I'll put it that way is (laughs) whether intentionally or not. (laughs) Yeah. Even if it was on accident, uh, it, it feels pretty good that that comparison is there as Washington has been one of the top teams in the East for the better part of a decade now, at least a half decade, certainly. Yeah, so, I mean, really most of Ovechkin's career. Certainly once he established himself in the league. Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple of those first couple of years, they were still bad, Yeah, but that's when they, it was like them, then they got uh, Backstrom in, in line and, off they went. Yep. Turns out, you know, having one of the best passers and best scorers in the league together is pretty good. <laughs> um, but but looking at that, like coaching that team, you say, all right, great. Here's Ovi and Backstrom. Go score. And they do. You don't have to tell them a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Compared yeah. To- I mean, it's very it's very set and forget for them. Right. Right. But- They've also invested heavily in their depth this year. Sure. Uh, you look at what they've done in their bottom six, going out and, and spending money and giving out term as well. Uh, they clearly felt that that was an area of need for them. And, I mean, you kind of could see that coming, right? With moves like sending Burakovsky to the abs, which for cap reasons they had to, mm-hmm. they understood that that leaves a hole to fill. Burakovsky is a player that is above that level as he has proven with the abs. So did they go about it the best way? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I think it was a good recognition for them to understand what they should be trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I don't love some of their moves. Then again, I mean, honestly, Carl Haglin has worked out okay for them. So maybe I I can't argue. Yeah, it's like the 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 Garnet Hathaway thing is like that's that's the stuff that frustrates me. Yeah, you give a four year deal to a guy that's in his late twenties who is strictly a fourth line player, and it's like, dude, overcommit. Like, I I know that you think he really brings something, but like. He's he's coming off a career year of 19 points. Yeah. You know, and that it's just it would be like if the Avs had given a four year deal to, yeah. to Belmar. Yeah. Where it's like, dude, it's and, and they gave they gave four year deals to Haglin, Panic and Hathaway. Yeah, that's half of your bottom six, basically. Yeah, that is now locked up for four years. All of them will be into their thirties when they end, and they are they they will cost seven and a half, almost eight million. Just those yep. guys. Yeah, it'd be five and a half, seven, yeah, seven million between those three in your bottom six. And not only does it do is it the the straight up cost of it when you're committed to players in your bottom six like that, it becomes very difficult to get rookies in and get them opportunities in sheltered roles. So, yeah. And, you know, they, they drafted in the first round last year, the overage kid, Brett Leeson. Yep. 
who um, someone you expect to make the jump very quick overage for the draft yeah his second time eligible i believe yes he was 19 or by he would be 19 by the draft eligibility date whatever yeah he's 20 now yeah actually he turns 20 dude he turns he turns 21 at the end of the yeah at the end of the year so he is an overage this year then so um i guess a second time eligible then there you go. So it, a bit of a disconnect there maybe for Washington, picking up a guy that you would assume would make the jump quickly and not really having the room for him. Yeah, and then spending all the money to put bodies in his way. Right. But, I mean, we see teams do this all the time, right? Dude, if the Capitals feel like they're in their final push to try and get another cup out of this window that's the type of moves we see teams make. And, you know, a lot of the time it ends up hurting them later on down the line, but if they get the cup worth. Yeah. And this is kind of what we've seen with Pittsburgh too, with the Zucker deal where they're just going to keep going for it. These two teams. And I think that they are in a division together. I think it forces them to just keep upping the ante arms race kind of thing going on. Yeah, exactly. And kind of like with Boston and Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay probably won't do much at the deadline because they don't have a lot of room. Boston's going to feel the pressure too. They're going to feel like they've got to do something because, you know, Boston had won the division, had the division won. And then Tampa turned it up. Yeah. And now they only have a a three point lead on the lightning because the lightning have decided to care again. Yep. White lightning have won eight in a row, by the way. Yeah. So, and we'll be in Denver next week. Yep. Kind of that low, would be a, a low-key challenging schedule for the abs on this homestand. Yep. Uh, a five-game homestand, Ottawa was kind of the freebie. Yeah, it's their last really hard stretch of schedule, I would say. They have a bunch of games that, you know, it, the betting lines are going to favor the abs after this next week or so of games. Yeah. Capitals tonight, obviously. Kings are a team you should beat, but stadium series atmosphere... Kings are also a team that are playing, they play really hard every night and they play really effectively. They just have problems with goaltending and they have problems finishing. But in terms of process, the Kings have to feel like they're not far off right now. Uh, For a bad team, you've got to feel like the Kings are one of the teams you don't want to play. Whereas like the Sens and Sabres are teams that you're okay with. And then next week they have Tampa Bay and the Islanders coming to town. Definitely too tough teams obviously i'm sure everyone remembers the last islanders game where the abs lost one nothing and that whole process and then tampa bay is the opposite you have no idea what's going to happen in that game yeah and even after that like um at anaheim at la given where they are in the standings again not teams where you're like oh these these are scary but yeah la has been i believe la is straight up 500 at home uh and then anaheim has been colorado's like all of the teams that used to beat Colorado regularly, the Avs have beaten all of them now, yep. except Anaheim. Going back to even at the end of last year, uh, you remember that loss where Anaheim came in and, and yeah. came back that, from a 2 nothing deficit and beat them on March 15th? It was like, oh no, they might actually miss the playoffs. Yep. And then they had to rattle off. They had to, to, to go 8-0-2 down the stretch to recover from that. Yep. So... 
and then they get Buffalo at home, and then Carolina and Nashville back to back road games. That's not going to be easy. Nope. Two the February teams. The February, the end of February schedule is is going to be a challenge for them yeah. in different and ways. It, and it does get much easier once they hit March. But. Yeah, March March sets up where they should legitimately they should lose like two games in March. <laughs> yeah. The, that they March will, schedule is very easy in comparison. They will be favored in every single game in March. Yeah, even the one back to back they have is San Jose LA. So yeah, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is kind of an important stretch for the as if they can be solid on this homestand and through the rest of February, they probably hold the first spot in the West over the blues at the end of the month and have room to gain in March. Yep. So exciting times as always, AJ final thoughts here is as you get ready to head out and get a story about Ovechkin scoring 700 goals. I'm excited. Um, I was in the building when Solani got his last big milestone um, in Anaheim. Just happened to be there (laughs) more than anything. Uh, If I get to see Ovechkin score 700, that's going to be pretty cool. If I don't, also pretty cool. Like, get to go and watch two of the best teams in the league go head-to-head. I think it's going to be a fun night at Pepsi Center, man. And what a a 24 hours for, I guess, 48 hours for for the Pepsi Center with uh, Lakers Nuggets in overtime last night and now abs caps tonight. Yep. And so there you go. If the ice is bad, blame Lakers Nuggets going to overtime. Blame, you know, honestly, blame LeBron. <laughs> blame LeBron. Confirmed. It's very easy to do as an NBA fan. All right. There we go. Moral of the story is blame LeBron. We are going to get out of here for the day. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. This was a Thursday so show, so you will hear from us again tomorrow. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products and has everyday low prices on in-house products, such as $99 pre-pack ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for a hundred bucks. You can sign up for their loyalty program today and get 20% off your entire purchase once per month. Even if you're already signed up, just mention this DNVR ad and you will get the 20% off as well. They're conveniently located on 9th and Broadway and have parking in the back, so real easy to just drop in and get what you need. And if you don't have cash, that's no problem either as they accept Hyper. Once again, just sign up for that loyalty program program to get 20% off your next purchase. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with AJ Hayfully.